Remain seated, please. <laughs> Permanecer sentados, por favor. How do you sound like such a crusty white dude? Oh, <laughs> you have it down, dude. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast. My name is Andy. Along with me are Kelsey and Ryan, my two wonderful co-hosts. And uh, this week, we have a whole bunch of comic book news coming your way. We've got some very exciting casting announcements that's coming out. We've had a couple new TV shows announced, and we got our first look at a uh, reboot's take on some very iconic characters. Along with that, we've got a debut of a much-anticipated character, as well as some old favorites that we're going to shower with love. Uh, So, without getting too far off track... Uh, guys, how is your uh, Wednesday evening going? What episode are we on? This is uh, episode 13. Dang. Yeah. Props to us. <laughs> lucky, lucky. Yep, yep. It's going to be good. Um, but uh, speaking of things that are going to be good, uh, I hesitate <laughs> oh, to say yeah. that my thighs are quivering with anticipation <laughs> over. Wow. I know, that's that's a too, that's a little too graphic. <laughs> I think uh, I know exactly talk about now those with, are uh, sweet. the announcement that deadline made earlier today that they have signed a exclusive two-year deal with matt fraction and kelly sue DeConnick to bring probably one of our favorite comic books sex criminals to tv um mm-hmm. so uh deadline dropped this new story today uh that they are have announced a uh two-year partnership a overall deal, as it's called, with uh, Universal TV, and uh, they will be adapting uh, some of their comic books into, you know, TV shows. And what, what Sex Criminals is first. Any of these going to air on? It said Universal TV, but other networks pick up a lot of their pilots and stuff. So, like NBC's just recently picked up three of their comedy pilots and stuff like that. So. Um, I don't actually don't know. any Matt Fraction comic book on NBC. Especially Sex Criminals. Like, I feel like that's, again, like a, I don't know what those are called anymore, like subscription based, like HBO and stuff. Uh, well, I mean, technically. Premium? Te- yeah, well, sure, yes. Technically, on cable, you can show whatever the fuck you want. Like, there's not a. Well, are they just going to get like, slapped with, like, FCC violations? Not, and no, stuff? but it's not even an FCC thing. It's done because they don't want to turn away possible like advertisers essentially uh-huh. uh, so they don't want uh coke to be feeling a little queasy about the fact that jasmine saint cocaine is in the promo i guess but <laughs> i mean <laughs> i don't know like i feel like everyone should be a participant in this comic let alone it being a tv show um yeah like if it's gonna be here in time magazine like come on that has to give it some street cred to these fucking companies it has to be fx or amc if it's going yeah. to be on like one of the like basic cable channels yeah i mean i i think that that's uh from the people that i've talked to who of course are just my friends uh, <laughs> but you know we've always no, no industry inside yeah, you know those, those unnamed anonymous industry sources <laughs> that i've got just sitting up my sleeve uh no but you know most people that i've talked to have said that you know, this is probably something that will get released either on like an online service, like something like Hulu or oh, Netflix. Girl, joke about Netflix. I would right? stay home and binge watch that for like months. Yeah, of course. But well, I mean, <laughs> if it's produced by Netflix, we would know that they would be nice to us and release it all at once to us, like they've yeah. done with all other wonderful Netflix Sweet things. Sweet baby Netflix, um, you've done me no wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just get worried that we're gonna get all stoked and it's gonna be like coming this summer on 
CBS. Yeah. Oh, it's still coming it. the wrong way. You're like, uh. <laughs> yeah. the one thing I'm really like, this is such a weird fucking thing to focus on out of all the goodness of that entire show. But two things came to my mind first when I heard about this. And the first thing is that I hope they get an amazing like set designer who makes everything that Zdarsky puts in the background in the show too because that's like a large part of what makes it for me is like going through every single panel and like looking at all the little things that he included and all the jokes he drew and everything i'm sure it definitely won't be to that level but i would fucking love that and the second thing is that i was wondering if they're actually going to get the rights for fat bottom girls in that one scene now oh my god (laughs) and then there won't be like a dialogue So those are things that I... I didn't even think about that, but... <laughs> My mind goes to weird places. I can't one... tell you. So, wait. I don't think Brian Moon and all of them from Queen are as, like, hard about the rights for their music the way that, like, Led Zeppelin is. Right. So there's a possibility that we actually might get Fat Bottom Girls in a song in, a, in exactly That's... the scene we're thinking. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's been so many Queen songs used in terrible, like, movies and TV shows. Like, I feel like it's pretty much in the back. But I don't know if they should now. <laughs> like, because that dialogue is just so good. <laughs> Whatever. We'll see. I'm stoked. It's going to be awesome. Anything from the Diffraction household, I back 100% as we all do. Yeah. And, and just as a nod to them, the, the announcement most notably mentions Kelly Sue, Matt Fraction, and Chip Zdarsky, but Diffraction would, I'm sure, be keen to mention Emma Rios, Gabriel Ba, Fabio Moon, Christian mm-hmm. Ward, Howard Chaikin, Stephen Sanders, Kieran Dwyer, and Valentin DeLeandro as other people who are just as essential in making these comics, you know, work. And the way that at least the you know the super secret milk fed criminal masterminds newsletter had made it sound is that those people may also be involved in this production coming forward so well um, also because they said in that article that they were looking to use um the milk fed criminal masterminds as kind of like their own um what's the word i'm looking for like production, production company, company. Exactly. um for other comic creators which i think could be fantastic, but I think yes. it also leans to, you know, if they're treating uh, Milkfed Criminal Masterminds as a production company, most notably that means that they'll probably have some hands in production, which means that maybe we might get like Zdarsky, Fraction, and oh. Kelly Sue as the production designer for the show. You know what I mean? To ass- yeah. ensure that these things that we really saw on the page really do come to the screen, which is what makes me the most excited. Like Kel's already said, we back House to Fraction in almost all things. Um, I don't even know why I put the almost there. Uh, <laughs> All things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Period. Stop sentence. <laughs> uh, but I, I didn't think that Sex Criminals of all series would be something that would be announced, especially this year, as um, a possible TV show. But Like, I get it, though, because they're picking up steam, like, super quick, especially with that one, because it's not old yet. Like, they're only on issue... They're definitely generating some vapors. Yeah, and then they have all the awards and everything like that, and they have huge, like, word of mouth from fans. I'm like, us. I don't know. Like, I back, I understand it, because, like, last week we talked about, like, all the different TV companies wanting to get, like, a piece of the pie, so to speak. And this is just their way of being like, hey, this is a thing that people like, but for once they actually didn't pick, like, some rando fucking, like, B-list kind of thing. It's actually pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, side note, in that article, too, it said that Fraction created a bitch planet and not Kelly Sue, which I bothered me a lot. Um, 
also like it lists it goes to great depths to list every single thing that he's worked on or created and then it just says like oh yeah and she did pretty deadly i think in one (laughs) of the in one of the earlier edits of this article they didn't even list the co-creators they 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 did not list um they listed fraction wrongly as being a creator but in in this yeah this this edit that's up right now is pretty kind to emory uh to uh deconic but it doesn't mention all those other people it does mention emorios but um i'm just gonna say nelly and driva writer at deadline maybe maybe look at the edit button a little bit harder (laughs) that's it (laughs) yeah i mean i know this was a you know this is their exclusive so i'm sure they were freaking rushed as hell to get it out um but uh whatever (laughs) we're exclusively excited about it uh speaking (laughs) of other exclusives this one this week uh out in empire magazine not normally the place that we go to for comic book news director josh trank who made the fantastic four movie that we saw the uh trailer for what maybe three four weeks ago and uh, he just released four brand new Fantastic Four stills in this issue. And they're specifically uh, four of the characters. And I'd say that they're like, I don't know if I would call them uniforms, although that's what the internet is naming them. But uh, Oh, internet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they definitely, it appears that everything looks a little bit more modern and realistic than cartoony. It doesn't look like we have like, super stretchy material and stuff. Although I will say that there's definitely something going on with the material on uh, uh, the Human Torch, Johnny Storm's outfit. It seems to be equipped for heat or some kind of diffusion. It does appear that they're looking, uh, that they're going with like four straight lines as the four, as opposed to the number four on their chest, which is a little unusual. Funny side note, uh, I haven't seen these pictures yet, so I just like went to look them up and... It was like Empire's Fantastic Four movie review. And I was like, how'd they get that up already? And I looked and it was <laughs> two stars. And I was just like, oh, that's disappointing. And then I read it and it was like fleetingly enjoyable, but cynically constructed. Um, a fantastic bore. It's about the old one. It's about the one with Jessica Alba and, and Young Crawford. And I was like, oh, that makes way more sense. <laughs> Uh, Sometimes I forget that movie existed. Uh, I think we all should. <laughs> There's a part of me as a fanboy that like absolutely loves when I see a character I love in their original costume. Like it kills me to this day that I still haven't seen fucking Hugh Jackman in a blue and yellow suit. <sighs> One day, but at the same time, I can I think, appreciate I think things maybe like we'll this. get that in like if they go with like a you know a truly like splintered timeline movie or something. You know, maybe we'll get like a like a shattered screen that shows like different versions of Wolverine. I feel like that's as close as we're going to get to blue and yellow spandex. I would be still okay with that. Just a side but nod. I... You just want a little bit of it. Just a taste of the blue and yellow. Yeah, spandex. exactly. <laughs> like, especially cause there's a cut scene from the Wolverine movie where he opens a case and it has his brown and um, orange costume. Um, yeah. which always gets me super jazzed up, even though I don't like that costume very much. But I can appreciate when, like, a director decides to go this direction as well because it is a lot more realistic. Who knows? Like, you know, I hesitate to get too excited or disappointed in these stills. But, you know, Trank does say somewhere in the issue, he says that he doesn't think that, um, quote, in other words, don't expect any skin-type blue lycra on these heroes anytime soon. You know, so he's definitely going for, like, a more modern take with how, like, you know, he's going to have people portrayed. Eh, we'll see. 
I'm I'm lukewarm, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I've just been beaten so badly with those first two. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I think it's more just everybody's just kind of like, nah, well, can't get worse than the first one. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you can only go up at yeah. this point, so... I'll- I mean, I'll definitely go see it. I think a new take on the Fantastic Four, sure. I mean, I've seen this story rebooted like 300 times throughout comics. So, you know, what's one? I, I saw the 1995 bootleg Rod- Roger Corman version of the Fantastic <laughs> Four. So, like, of course I'll go see this. <laughs> right? I downloaded that shit on LimeWire. Oh, man. Wow. Kicking it old school. I, yeah, on dial up it took me like four weekends stealing like it's 2001 all over again man pausing that thing shutting down the computer (laughs) that's rough times (laughs) if only we had netflix back then can you can you imagine how much like sometimes i think about like my life as like a media consumer and i'm like man people have it so easy today like i could have been watching like quality like TV and film for much longer if Netflix existed. No, we couldn't have because we would have been on like 56K dial up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I guess it would have been like quality writing, but like terrible image. It would have been like 16 bit imaging going on. Beep, boop, boop. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be terrible. Anyways, uh, speaking of uh, news and <laughs> things that are happening in the modern yes, world. Yes, best transition ever. Exactly. Segways. It might just be the best transition ever, even though it was a total train wreck on my part. Yeah, uh, and that's because not bury the lead, fool. <laughs> this comes at the beginning of the news that uh, Viola Davis has finally confirmed that she will be playing Amanda Waller in the yes. forthcoming Suicide Squad. So... This was something that happened on the red carpet. Um, uh, as much as we, you know, maybe don't want to watch every minute of the Oscars and red carpet shindigs that occur, Suicide Squad does officially have Amanda Waller. Um, Andy, I don't know about you, but I definitely play who wore it best on red carpet every year. Yeah. I mean, I said, you know, not everyone. You know. Oh, <laughs> I left the door Weird. open for you, Ryan. It's okay. Don't worry. Uh, oh, thanks. But thanks. yeah, but I think all of us, we were talking about it before the show about how to get away with murder and how just fantastic Viola Davis has been on that show. And uh, what do you know? She's going to be Amanda Waller. This was someone that when we were first talking about like the prospective Suicide Squad roles, even when like I think I feel um, like this we fan cast her. Didn't yeah, we? no, I think so. I, I I almost want to credit Kelsey with calling out uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Uh, I have to go back and check, but th- I think that was back when like Will Smith was still attached to the project or whatever. To be fair, I think it Wait, was Will Smith not on I was... the project. No, or no, you're thinking of Tom Hardy, right? Oh, that, yeah, that's oh. what I'm saying. Sorry, uh, that's right. I got you. I got you. I won't see that movie if Will Smith's not on in it. Bring back <laughs> Big Willie Weekend. I don't understand what is wrong with the world. <laughs> what happened to Big Willie Weekend? Why'd that go away? I don't understand. I'm gonna make it was that so my good for so long. Everything. I'm just gonna make like that tiny little sound bite, my like text sound for Ryan. So anytime Ryan Big texts me, Weekend? it's like, what happened to Big? Oh. Jesus fucking God. Oh, that's I never knew I wanted that so badly until I just heard it. And now I just want to hear him say that on a loop all the time. We can make that happen. Um Yeah, the but, technology. Uh but yeah, so I mean, I know you guys both saw how to get away with murder. How excited are you guys for Amanda Waller? 
I'm the fucking most stoked. Like, I think I suggested her when we were first talking about it because I had just seen the episode that I feel like if anybody watches How to Get Away with Murder, they know which episode I'm talking about, where she like takes off her wig and just gets fucking raw <laughs> from the camera real quick. I was like, yes, this bitch can do anything and do no wrong to me. And then they were talking about casting. I was like, man, she'd be fucking perfect. And now she's gonna be. And I'm so excited. It very rarely works out like this for me. So I'm pretty fucking amped personally she's a very powerful um figure so i mean yeah. she just like i don't know yeah she's uh she's impressive i'm really she, excited yeah she has like this really like incredible ability to command the fucking presence from anyone else on screen but not do it in a way that's distracting like i don't know how else to say it like i'm just so fucking excited to see her do this yeah <laughs> presence uh presence is definitely the word um i'm sure like uh my old theater teacher would say, uh, she commands the space, you know, like, <laughs> she I don't know. Goddamn right she does. But uh, she's just a, a dream in uh, how to get away with murder. And uh, I think she's a shoe in for, for Amanda Waller. So this, I mean, this makes a pretty star studded suicide squad cast. So I assume that our hype for this movie was already pretty high, but. That was the highest. <laughs> um, Margot Robbie like came out and said that she signed some deal to play Harley for up to ten years for DC. Oh my god! If they ask, like, if they want her to. So basically, I guess she's already fallen saying, in love with the character. Ryan, is that um, everyone out there? We all need to do the world a favor, and we all need to make sure that we go see Suicide Squad at least twice, so <laughs> that this company realizes that Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is perfect and we get 10 years of it yes like only if i don't have to see jared leto be the joker all the time uh, we'll i still see. have really mixed feelings about him on as the joker podcast <laughs> he wore powder blue tuxedo to the oscars yeah. Well, he does what he wants, man. Yeah, you know. I can In tell that regard, you two are very much alike. Hey, all we can know for sure is that Jared Leto was not the winner of Who Wore It Best for uh, <laughs> for Ryan's, you know, post-Oscar celebration, I'm sure. It's true. Uh, we do have some other casting news. This one also concerns a DC character, uh, and that's because CBS's new show Supergirl has another addition, Cat uh, Grant will be joining the cast, played by none other than uh, Allie McBeal, Callista Flockhart, who will be joining on, and it uh, looks like she's not going to be a fashion reporter. She's going to be more like a like a media head of a corporation. So, Like, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> like, I'm not one to shit talk other ladies, but, like, I just feel like she's super old now like i just feel like she's been around for like all of my life and then some so like <laughs> hey man she's married to han solo she can do whatever she wants that's true that's true, that's true. she was at the laker game the other night she was what she was at the laker game the other night her and oh uh, i saw i saw that Ford. i don't know why i saw that <laughs> probably because they were playing the boston celtics and because the lakers won just so you know We've got to celebrate <laughs> the small victories, guys. Um, well, I just watched a Midsummer Night's Dream in class. I just got out of my Shakespeare theater class. And naturally, they played the Calista Flockhart version from like 1999. Ah. And she was like 40 in that. And now she, it's what, like 15 years later, 16 years later? Let's look up how old Calista Flockhart is. 87. She's pulling a share. <laughs> She's 50. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I think, 
Yeah, she she's fine. Like she doesn't things. make it or break it for me. That's all it is. But, like yeah. I just don't care. I don't know. It sounds like at least that you know if if like age is a problem, it sounds like at least that maybe they're like aging up the character a bit. Yeah, because you said she's going to be in the industry and yeah, not like like media magnate. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, who knows. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't Fair. know. There, it's clear that CBS is just throwing a fuck ton of money at this show, though. Like, <laughs> they're Jesus like, be successful. Christ. Yeah, like they are just Pretty pulling out all the stops. So that's all the money they get to use over from Charlie Sheen's salary on what's that one show that he's not on anymore? Oh. Two and a Half Men, which ended. It's over. Oh man! Thank God. That's what I'm saying. They get to use all their salaries <laughs> and fund other things. If I were a director, every time, like, if I was on that set, I would only call her Allie, just to, like, piss her off. I'd be like, hey, Allie. She'd be like, that's that's not my name. I'd be like, okay, Allie, I need you to go over there. Uh, I don't know. That just feels like, I feel like I would just call her McNeil all the time, and I'd be like, McNeil! And then I'd sing (laughs) single female lawyer at her. Oh, man, I love that episode. It's so good. Anyways, um, let's see. What else do we have to talk about? Oh, uh man, do you have an encounter with race cars, lasers, airplanes? Perhaps your life happens to be a duck blur? Well, good news for you, my <laughs> friend, because oh, my <laughs> there's uh, some wonderful things going on at Disney where they announced that uh, coming to Disney XD, unfortunately this one we have to wait until 2017, they're doing a DuckTales reboot. Uh, Not ponytails or cottontails, yeah. but DuckTales. Oh my god. Woo-hoo is what I might have to say to that. <laughs> and so, uh, once again, if you guys are too young to remember, DuckTales is a wonderful animated series, and uh, it's going to follow us. Uncle Scrooge, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, uh, and who knows? They they just might solve a mystery. Uh, uh, dude, for real, though, I love Ducktales. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and also, if this if successful and somehow brings Darkwing Duck back, I will be the happiest. Ooh. Oh man, uh, I gotta you guys say, also, ninety kids credit showing. Yeah, no. <laughs> I can remember going over to my cousin's house and playing the DuckTales NES video game. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I remember waking up as, like, a small kid and getting up early so that I could eat my cereal and watch DuckTales. Like, oh, that was the best thing ever. It's a smart move on Disney's part because there will be a new audience for it, but people like you and me will actually tune in. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> I won't lie. I totally watched Girl Meets World. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that show. I, I know. Haven't had the heart to check into it. It's My love for it's not bad. It's pretty much just Boy Meets World with his daughter. Well, here's the thing. Okay, they had me at Topanga, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be there because Danielle Fischel's there. It's a episodic coming of age story, but instead of it being about Corey, it's about his kid and. And still about Corey. Yeah, exactly. It's still about Corey and still about Topanga. It's great. See, which sounds awesome in theory, but I think I'm still just like not fully like my heart hasn't healed yet from like the what is it, like the tenth season of Scrubs the... where they just fucked everything. Yeah. Well, like every time I feel like there's gonna be like a follow up to a show that I love, I feel like I'm just gonna be hurt. So I just don't do it. <laughs> I will say that I have not watched uh, that Breaking Bad follow up at all with Bob Odenkirk. As big of a Mr. Oh, show fan as I am, I. Even though it got the highest cable ratings ever, yeah, my friends are talking about it. I do know that, but you know that's that's also. I thought that was when I read that. I just I couldn't believe that Breaking Bad was able to carry that show. 
but uh, I don't know, man. Have you ever? I've only heard good things about that, though. Have you ever? And that's the thing too. That's what I was gonna say. Like, I haven't watched it yet, but I've only heard good things. But like, have you ever talked to anyone about Breaking Bad and had someone say something other than like, "Hey, man, you have to watch that show. You have to absolutely." Yeah, if you talk to me about Breaking Bad, I just do this. I've never watched that. <laughs> if you talk to me about Breaking Bad, you'll hear me say the first two seasons were kind of boring, but then it gets awesome. <laughs> it's probably a pretty accurate description. <laughs> I hate when people use that as a description because, like, a lot of people do that with Walking Dead. Like, yeah, I know the first two seasons. If I had to sit to, through two fucking seasons of a boring TV show, why the fuck am I going to come back for a third one? Well, The Walking Dead, it was good that pilot episode. I liked the first season, yeah. I think. I don't really remember. I just didn't like the second season was like all at the farmhouse, right? Yeah. I just I just did not give a fuck because the entire time I was like, I know she's in the barn. Like <laughs> I could have written that entire season into like a 40 minute episode and it would have been fine. Yeah, but Chekhov's <laughs> fucking barn for real. What? Have you never heard of Chekhov's gun? No, it's like a screenwriting trope in which like you it's based on like a but essentially they write in that there's like a gun in the scene and because they write in the gun, then like it must be used. And like by right by it existing, it like it's like sitting waiting in the narrative to be used until it finally gets taken. Um, And so the barn was the ominous thing just sitting out there. Right. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're my favorite person. Me? Huh? Yeah, yeah, Andy. Sometimes you're just my favorite person. You know, a lot of times, Tell your fiance. a lot of times, I'm just filled with totally useless information. So, like the one percent time when I like pipe up some like interesting thing, and someone's like, "Hey, that's that was actually relevant to what we were talking about." I'm like, "Yeah." I've somehow been very lucky to be around for all of your one percent times <laughs> because every conversation we have is just a treasure. So. I was I was driving home from work the other day. No joke, driving home from work, just like thinking about the show. And I was like, if Andy weren't a part of it, we'd be fucked because literally, yeah. like, you're the only one who can get your shit together. Like, you always reel <laughs> us back in. You're always the one who's like kind of rational about things. Yeah, you like, the glue, homie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, but anyways, I mean, that's welcome. actually all of the news for this week. Uh, I don't think we have there he goes again, anything else to cover. Uh, and so I guess it's time for us to move on to uh, this week's comics. And actually, this well, that thing we're supposed to talk about. Yeah, comics. Yeah. I guess we can't, you know, there was a DuckTales comic at one point, right? That's a thing. So, so. yeah. It counts. But uh, yeah, we had a whole bunch of really awesome comics that came out this week. So I guess the best place to start is a brand new comic that kind of spun out of the uh, Spider-Verse event that happened that I know we were really excited for last week and uh, pretty excited for still this week after reading it. And that is none other than Spider-Gwen number one. We finally got a chance I guess we did get, um, when we were in the middle of the Spider-Verse event, the second issue really was a much more in-depth look at Spider-Gwen. But this issue from Jason Latour and uh, Robbie Rodriguez on art, Rico Renzi's doing the color, just looks fantastic all the way through. Uh, And I really enjoyed it. I gotta say, Robbie Rodriguez, like, this art style is fucking amazing. I, I fell in love. Just the first panel when they're spray painting like i was already just hooked on the comic kind of a weak opener for me though as far as writing goes mm-hmm. like i um I, I was super pumped for the comic and i still am uh, but i like i kind of liked silk more 
I hesitate to say that I agree with you, if only because this involves a band called the Mary Janes and Gwen Stacy leaving like all hussy and mad at MJ. But uh, God, I don't know. Like I, I really enjoyed both of them, but I, yeah, I think I kind of do agree with you. I really I love the agree. art style here, and as much as I love Spider Gwen, some of some of it, I, I don't know. I guess. It's like 22, 23 pages long, so I guess it's not actually any shorter than expected, but I love the cover. I'm kind of mad that I didn't pick up a physical printing and I got a digital, but whatever. I I think that part of it is because Silk exists in, like, Marvel 616, so we already know that the world she's in, and unfortunately Jason Latour has to create Spider-Gwen's world, and since it's coming out of Spideyverse, he... He really does have to just throw us into it. Yeah, I did like that he takes like a little bit of, you know, he has some of the the like comic regulars in New York showing up, you know. I love that Ben Grimm is just a like a beat cop. Yeah, Ben Grimm's just like a regular beat cop. Foggy Nelson is like the right-hand man to uh Captain Stacy, you know, like there's there's all this I don't know. It, it's got a ton of really, really nice like details um, for people who love, you know, Spider-Man comics, which you know, I can definitely count me in that. Um, I definitely don't think like it's a bad comic yeah. at all. Uh, I just, I think I might have built my expectations up too high. I think if we had gotten this comic last week and we had gotten Silk this week, we would have been head over heels in love with this comic, and then even more in love with yeah. Silk next week. But because mm-hmm. the release dates got swapped and because we got Silk first, I think we kind of were a little underwhelmed. But it's a good start. I mean, I think she definitely, like, Gwen definitely has, like, a bit of Parker in her yeah. mannerisms, but is very much her, her own spider woman, you know, which is awesome. She, she does call Vulture Heisenberg. Yeah. <laughs> which is, is good. And then when she spray paints the town and there's a, and it says death from a butt. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's some i mean there are there, your nest there's is a hot in, mess <laughs> yeah, there's some enjoy there's definitely some like really enjoyable parts to it another thing too is just because they're i get that they're introducing like supporting cast um with like her her dad and everything yeah but, and like and like her friends and the mary janes and everything yeah but part of it like because of that i almost felt like i didn't get to know her at all and it's like oh this is her book like and even though she's been in spideyverse like we didn't really get to know the character still. And I just felt like Silk did a better job at like introducing us to the character. Whereas this one kind of has a larger focus on like the world that she exists in. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like because Silk exists in the 616, right. It has that luxury of kind of having a place to live, like you said. So I don't know. I think we'll get, we'll get some more, you know, we'll get some more out of it in the future. And yeah, still super stoked on it. I I mean, I like, it still looks gorgeous, like, all the way through, so... About the art, can I actually... I noticed, like, especially on the page with, like, where she's at the bodega at the Dollar Dog or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it reminds me a lot of Miss Marvel's art, just, like, a lot toned down. Like, I don't know why. Like, I just look at it, and it just feels like Miss Marvel to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I can kind of see that. Uh, like, kind of like um, uh, Alexis Alfona. Yeah. I think it's just, like, the heavy lines, like, when they're doing it, but... It's a lot. It's obviously much more toned down because Kamala Khan uses all the lines all the time. But 
when I look at this, it just kind of makes me happy because I'm like, oh. <laughs> Anyways. Um... Oh, and it's weird that she's called Spider Woman. I mean, it makes sense because, duh, like, she's not Spider Gwen, but... Like, when Vulture showed up and he's like, Spider-Woman, I was like, no, that's Spider-Gwen. I was like, oh, wait. (laughs) I get it. You're like, wait, that would be a giveaway. (laughs) 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 Spider-Peter. Wait, that's a totally different comic. Oh, no. Uh, uh, So, guys, uh, there are some other comics going on uh, this week. Oh, speaking of spiders, uh, we do have Peter Parker himself uh, kind of wrapping up a bit of an arc in... uh, Actually, is this another Jason Latour uh, written? No, never mind. No, no, no. It's Elliot Kalen who's writing this. Uh, He was a Daily Show correspondent, I believe. That's right. Uh, Spider-Man and the X-Men, which has Elliot Kalen on the writing... Uh, Marco Falia on the art, and Ian Herring is doing the uh, coloring. And this is, like, uh, Spider-Man with the Wolverine and the X-Men team, which is, like, iBoy, Herman Glob, uh, Rockslide, Hellion, Hellion, uh, Ingrid, right? Is it Ingrid? Yeah, Ingrid. Ingrid. Yeah. Uh, What is it? Let's see. Um, I'm not going to lie. Ernst is her name. Ernst and No Girl, which is, like, the... Science, this comic is like a fucking like nerd fever dream. <laughs> I mean, and like it just, uh, I got so excited while reading this comic. And there were a lot of good comics out this week, like, and there have been lately. But there's just something about reading like Spider Man in the X Men universe. He's fighting Mojo. He meets up with the X Babies. He's in he the Mojo verse. Fight... That's right. Yeah, he, he's in oh, the Mojo verse. He, he has to fight the Sinister Sixty Six. Um, <laughs> and so, and there's just tons of villains that are popping up on the page. Like the Jackal pops up at one point. Um, there was one panel that I really loved Hammerhead because shows up. Yeah, I think Lizard. Hellion. Yeah, Hellion is like throwing a psychic blast at all of his villains that ride gliders. So it's Hobgoblin, Green Goblin, Demo Goblin, and Jack Lantern. And he throws a psych yes. blast and it just knocks all four of them off their gliders. <laughs> there's there's like beetles in the back the beetles in the background of one of the panels. Um you see Morbius for a minute. It was awesome. And Gambit shows up even though it's the chameleon pretending to be Gambit. Um but, but- still yeah, I just want to say also that this panel open this comic opens up with late night with Spider Man, as Spider Man hosting a late night show in the Mojoverse, which is pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I also got to say like I love like the individual characters popping up. They do meet the fucking X babies, which is probably one of the greatest things ever, and has this like little like heartbreaking moment when Spider Man tells. X baby Wolverine about six one six Wolverine. Oh, it was so good. It's just <laughs> nice because, especially in the Marvel U right now, like shit's getting pretty heavy. Yeah. So yeah. it's nice to have a comic that has a little bit of levity that I can. Like, did you read the Avengers comics this week, man? Yeah, I was I did. Uh, yeah. the Hickman comic. I was just like, what in the fuck is going on? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good place to transition as anywhere. The I, I will say that the Spider-Man and the X-Men comics, the, you're right. It's a nice bit of levity. And that's something that I really loved about the Wolverine and the X-Men comics um, when it was still like Logan kind of ahead of the team. And I'm glad to see that they've done a pretty good job of kind of transferring it over to Spider-Man for a bit. I think... It seems like this is the end of this run, though, right? Like, 
this is three of three, or are they going to have more Spider-Man? Um, I thought I saw a panel at the end that was saying... At the end it says epilogue, but it also says multiple mishaps menacing our marvelous mutants and man spider. Madden matriculators and mysterious malefactors missing our next missive will make you most miserable. Holy so, alliteration. I think, no, I think there is a next issue. There is more. Yeah, I don't because so, they haven't announced. They only canceled She-Hulk, Hawkeye, Silver Surfer, and maybe one other one. But that I, I didn't hear anything about this one. Like Ryan was saying, I'm sure you mentioned. Uh, yeah, New Avengers. It's number thirty. This one has uh, a fantastic cover. Fucking bearded Captain Britain sitting on there. But uh, yeah, this one kind of goes into the whole. This is getting close to the, you know, the world ends with secret wars, time runs out, and uh, this is really, New Avengers is where this whole storyline began with the Illuminati trying to solve the problem of the incursions. We've talked about it a lot on several other issues, and this one was, like you said, it was like all exposition the entire time. Like, the narrative space of this comic is (laughs) Yellow Jacket telling a story, and then halfway through, like, 15 pages in, Captain Britain shows up. And then guess what? Captain Britain gets to tell a story. And then Yellow Jacket goes back to telling a story. And we get to see it, and it looks, like, gorgeous. Like, I won't lie. the Some of the art in these panels is just brilliant. Like, when they show some of the, like, cosmic stuff, like, blowing up. And uh, they show uh, the Living Tribunal at one point in this issue. Yeah, that was cool. But what the fuck? Like, I was doing a good job of following this new Avengers run. And I'm just... What <laughs> the hell is? Go- I mean, I guess the only way to solve this is Battle World, right? I really feel, by the way, side note, um, that we should have an entire episode that's just devoted to everything they've announced for Battle World because we haven't gone into it at all. That's just mad. Yeah. <laughs> we might. We might need to. We might have to do. We might have to do like one episode where we just like talk about Battle World. Okay. Ugh. As, yeah, I know. I'm gonna. But, you know. <laughs> I feel so thing. sick all of a sudden. I don't think I'll be able to make it, guys. I mean, to be honest, we should probably do half an hour on Battle World and half an ma- hour on Convergence because they've announced a bunch Ugh. of shit with that that we haven't brought up either. That's For good reason, I feel. <laughs> but anyways, this new Avengers book, there's a lot of universes collapsing, and it seems that there's a big bad that they were looking for and then there was some big bads that they were looking for that were looking for the big bad they were looking for and the big bad they were looking for got beaten by the other big bads and now there's no hope in the universe it seems yeah i couldn't follow it i was just like whatever man captain britain's got a beard now (laughs) oh man dude captain britain looks so fucking metal he's got a beard and an eye patch i was like dude this guy, once again, Spider Spider UK, Captain Britain. Also, oh yeah, that was an important um, like little uh, footnote to the end of Spideyverse. Spider UK's universe is gone. Oh, that's right. And also, so is um, so. What ended up happening is the guy who was a spider eater, the Cairn or Karn or whatever. Karn, yeah. This this took place in Amazing Spider Man fifteen. Yeah, he became the Spider Weaver, and then the Spider. Uh, one of the spider women decided to stay behind along with Anya. Yes, Anya stayed behind with uh, Spider-Man UK, and they're going to protect like the Spider-Man of the multiverses. So yeah, his universe disappeared, which was also part of the incursion. Yeah, Anya Corazon. Yep. 
so that happened too. So Spider Girl, she she stayed behind, which actually makes me really sad because I actually super love Spider Girl. But in the end of that amazing Spider comic, it says there's going to be another Tales from the Spider Verse thing. Yeah, that was um, um, one of the side comics is uh, is going to be about the multiverse Spider Man, which is something we've said on the show multiple times that we would like. And and yeah, and so that amazing Spider, I mean. I almost feel like kind of cheated that this is Amazing Spider-Man 15 because we got very little of, I guess, like actual like Peter Parker. Almost character not. development. It yeah, was just wrapping we, but, up loose ends from Spider-Verse. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> uh, Superior Spider-Man Otto Octavius really is crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah. This, it was, it was kind of cool to see like that, that moment of like, uh, what's it called in like time travel when... Like the guy takes off his mask and he realizes that it's him as well, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know that that's a thing, but it's, it's a like, paradox. Yeah, it's like causality or something. Sure. Like he's meant to do it. I don't know. Words. <laughs> Where's Cameron? Cameron would have the words for this time travel. Okay, thing. we've officially brought him up on every fucking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyways, this was a kind of like a a clean little wrap up to uh, Spider Verse. So if you had any more confusion over the closing of Spider Verse and you were wondering kind of like we were at the end of last episode where we were like, w- did they all just like leave and go home? I guess that happened off the page. And we were like, yeah, that totally happened. Well, they actually wrote a comic about it and it came out this week and it actually happened. Um, uh, but we also got a kind of triple threat comic this week. Uh, we thought it was going to be a little bit longer, but from the pen of uh, Jason Aaron, Noel Stevenson, and also CM Punk, we got uh, the Thor annual number one, which got to cover King Thor, which is like Thor at the end of time, uh, current Thor, which of course is uh, Lady Hammerpants, <laughs> and uh, young Thor. And I don't know, I, I fucking, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this book, like, yeah, it's pretty delightful. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Raphael Albuquerque does the cover art. I love him. He does American Vampire. So, like, right from the get-go, just already in love with the book. I actually, it's funny because Jason Aaron writes Thor, and I thought his story was kind of the weakest in the annual. I did, too. Yeah. Um, it was, I was just kind of bored. I was like, all right, cool. Thor's fucking old, and he's just like fucking Odin, whatever. I'm, I don't really care. <laughs> But Noel Stevenson's part was great. I really love seeing the Warriors 3, like, kind of haze New Thor into their group. Yeah. And I really, I think one of my favorite panels is just when he goes, tell me Lady Thor. And she goes, it's just Thor. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah. Just yeah. Thor. <laughs> um, I, loved, I love that because, yeah, uh, I would imagine that she'd get tired of everyone calling her Lady Thor. Because she is just Thor now. Uh, so I really enjoyed that whole story too. And then Rob Gillery, I think is how you say his last name. Gilly, yeah. He yes. did the art for CM punks and he does chew, uh, over at image. I haven't seen him ever do a Marvel book and I got really excited when I saw his like name attached to this. And I thought that story was super fun. There were a lot of like, I'm kind of surprised at how in depth like CM punks knowledge of the Marvel U goes. <laughs> one well, the joke where Mephisto busts in and Thor goes Dormammu and he goes yes it is wait what no <laughs> uh, I thought that was great and then when they have to drink and all the drinks are named after different Marvel characters and the cups they're in are based on the character yeah. which the cups are the Gamma Slamma Cosmic Ray Ultimate Drunkafire Odin's Beard <laughs> 
uh, I, I think it was great. Like you said, Rob Guillory on the art did a fantastic job. Uh, Marguerite Savage also on the current Thor was great too. I liked the kind of like erratic cartoony style that she kind of did. But I, I, you know, we talked about it last week. We were like, I'm, I'm really eager to see what CM Punk ends up like writing for Thor. And I was pretty happy with it. Like, I, shit, I'd love to. I'd love like a goofy like Thor comic written by CM Punk. Like, sounds great to me. Yeah, I, okay. I was just looking up like what else Marguerite Savage has done because I really did like it too, and I didn't really know anything. She's only done a handful of things. She did. She, I guess she's doing art on Hinterkind or Hinterkin uh, or oh, okay. Vertigo. And she's done like an issue of Wayward at Image. So she's kind of a newcomer to comics. So like just like. started yeah. out. That's what the, the annuals traditionally have kind of been a chance for them to do is to sometimes like give the, the stories to some new artists and new writers. So hopefully it ends up working out and maybe we'll end up seeing more. Um, I would in the future. be cool with seeing her not on Thor because Russell Dodderman, you are slowly becoming one of my favorite artists, and yeah. you're my baby boy. But yeah, you, can't, you can't deny us, you know. But uh, yeah, but I would see her on another title. Like, pick one that has bad art. Where she can go on Uncanny X Men. Throw her on that one. I'm not too bad with Uncanny. Maybe, uh, you're thinking of Amazing, yeah. right? That's the one with Amazing X Men. There we go. Yeah, Colossus yes. that we don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, which this week was a little better, but not. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead, I just wanted to, last thing about Thor is that my favorite thing from CM Punk's. I forgot who you guys said who did the art right now. Rob Guillory. Yeah, from Chew. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it, but on the hammer on me on Mary, there's definitely has an inscription that says, "Do you even lift, bro?" <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even see that. It's on page thirty. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, you guys didn't mention it, so I figured you missed it. <laughs> oh, that's my new favorite thing. And the best part of it is that comes at the end when Thor's like super trashed ass drunk and he's, he's trying like, to lift it. <laughs> uh, definitely pick up Thor Annual number one, guys. It is worth a read. A little bit longer comic, but triple the stories. So I personally feel like it, you know, makes up for it enough that. I bought it. <laughs> Speaking of the number three, uh, we had a release from Image this week from none other than uh, Matt Fraction and Christian Ward. Uh, and that would be Odyssey, number three. This one gets us to uh, a meeting between Odyssea and uh, the Cyclops and is just like, again, Christian Ward's art. Ridiculous. Gorgeous is almost not a kind enough word to describe it. Um, and early on, we t- said that the the comic was like maybe that was like so dense, but like I don't know. After the third issue, I'm kind of used to it, and <laughs> ah, man, I, I love the like the poetic prose that the fraction throws in here. It's <laughs> it's so funny that you just mentioned poetic prose right now because the panel I just flipped through is when they first see Cyclops, and the text bubble is. Who the good fuck are these whores in my home? <laughs> if that's not poetic, that's, I don't know what that's is. That's poetry. Okay? It speaks to me, dude. Exactly. Speaking of um, the art, though, real quick, on Christian Awards we have, the Cyclops, like, just the way that she's drawn, like, from shoulders up, reminds me of, like, a Legend of Zelda villain, where, like, the giant eye pops out and you have to hit it real fast oh, before it goes bad. Uh... 
Goma? <laughs> yeah, it's like every like I'm replaying Majora's Mask right now on 3DS, and it's literally every single like boss. Yeah, I realize Goma is the like uh, the spidery dude that you have to hit the eyeball. Yeah, but now no, I'm saying like on the new like 3DS version, like every boss has oh. something with an eye that you have to hit now. What? Yeah, like the giant bull in um, the Goron City has it. Um, the giant or the big fish underwater in the water temple has it. It's kind of nuts. Point being, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, the Cyclops also has a giant eye in its head. I was actually super stoked for this issue because the Cyclops bit in the actual Odyssey is one of my favorite parts ever, and so this didn't disappoint me like at all. It was very strange and it was weird kind of following it through because every time, because there's like a month in between issues for these, I have like three weeks of kind of like my body like not being used to it anymore and then having to readjust real quick to so much happening like visually and so much for me to have to process like linguistically and it's a lot honestly i am getting used to it like slowly but surely but it's still just so overwhelming for me because it's so good but there's just so much happening god like i'm I'm always sad when the comic ends like i know oh, i know it's so bad but I, I will say that you know we often speak highly of the last few pages of bitch planet and the last few pages of uh, odyssey as of late have been just as rewarding uh, <laughs> mostly with like responses to letters and stuff like that but but also there's always some like cool like fan art and sometimes they put in some like in process stuff of like the coloration of some of the panels and stuff you know the one they have for this week for the in process is nuts <laughs> like yeah. i can't imagine like that's why i'm not like a visual artist like i cannot imagine that at all <laughs> like yeah. how that process works remember each of those things each of those colors each of those lines everything was probably not a first try so oh, but uh, as usual this art is just like alive violent and gorgeous all at the same time so pretty fucking great you guys should pick it up for sure yeah definitely especially if you're an english major <laughs> yeah if you're an english major this is the comic for you it's required reading That's friends for sure also i hope it is when kylie sue DeConnick starts teaching her community <laughs> college class about creative writing and comics yeah Ugh, i'm so jealous i don't live in oregon oh uh, what yeah, yeah that's dude. Thing that was announced. she's let's teaching just, a course let's just commute but it's not that far yeah, for you yeah. guys, like, 17 hours for me, 17 like, 17 hours each way, right? It's good. Yeah. We can just stay at Ryan's house. So, if it's 17 hours from you, then it's, like, an additional... No, no, from you guys. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say. It's just, like, six from me. Yeah, you know, it's that far. Fucking NorCal. <laughs> yeah, it's the space in between NorCal and SoCal that's so crazy. Um, Central Cal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell me I've been there. Um, but anyways, yeah, uh, so Odyssey has been fantastic so far. I know we've all been really enjoying it. Let's see, what's up next on here? Oh, we have the uh, Karen Gillan issue number two of Darth Vader, which came out this week. And this one was, I don't know, like very different than the first one, whereas the first one was kind of quieter, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this one was still, I, I still enjoyed it. Like, I still saw, like... From front to end, I still enjoyed the arc that Vader got, but like in the middle, it stumbled a bit for me when some of the stuff was going on. It was, um, I mean, it's a still good issue. It, it's almost like the last issue, the editors were like, okay, man, you gotta make some progress on this fucking story because there wasn't a lot of talking in the last issue, so make sure you get that shit in there. And he was like, all right. Salvador LaRocca's art really helps me get through this comic. 
because it's beautiful. Yeah. And I wouldn't want anyone else handling Darth Vader. And I'm super excited for the next issue because it has, like, the cover for it is, like, a C-3PO knockoff. And what is that robot, Andy? Uh, What's that droid? That's an R7. That's an R7 astromech, I think. It's either R7 (laughs) or R5. Thank you. And also, that chick, I don't know who she is, but I'm already kind of in love with her. Definitely in love with her tattoo. She's got, like, weird circuitry tattoo. It reminds me of my early 90s days. She's wearing, like, an e-meter cap, and she kind of looks like Captain Mal if he was a chick. So... (laughs) Sold. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm like... I, I got to that part of this issue and I was like, what issue three? When's that? I will say like uh, having another Solistin show up, which is uh, a uh, Star Wars race that doesn't get enough love. Uh, made me super happy. It definitely was a bit sloppier an issue, but it very much was Vader. And I, you know, you mentioned Salvador La Roca's art. And the first thing that I see is I like get like two panels in is at the bottom of the second page, like the Vader, like, looking up on him somewhat stoic face, right? Like, that that image appears, like, six times throughout the issue. And every single time I'm like, yep, I, I can I can feel his tone right now. <laughs> He's like, we will see. Like, yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> Throw a little shade your way. That's what Vader's doing. I just, I was, yeah. I, when, when I read it, I'm kind of just like, dude, Darth Vader didn't have this many lines in all three fucking movies. <laughs> Combined. Yeah. For real. So I was like, I just, it's hard for me to believe that he talks that much, but I understand that, you know, he has his own comic to carry now, so he probably has to talk a little more. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind if Vader was more of a stoic, silent type, and it was like more like the the idiots babbling around him, and then he eventually is like, silence, idiots, let's get shit done. Like, I don't know, I would read like 10 straight pages of no dialogue and Salvador La Roca art, or I guess gaze longingly at, but... Either way, I'd take it. Um, yeah. I mean, he still goes like all badass and ham when he's like, all, all your reputation and we're helpless. And he's like, no, there's always something I can do. And he just fucking starts blowing shit up yep. with the force. So uh, he's, he's still pretty badass in the issue. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely worth a look. Not yeah. as strong as the first issue, in my opinion, but still good. Yeah. Uh, also, some some crazy variant covers have been announced for the for the second issue of Vader. I ended up getting a super awesome variant cover of uh, Darth Vader one. It's like a picture of the Millennium Falcon cockpit as it's going to hyperdrive. But anyways, yeah. Apparently there have been some trouble with like uh, supply of some of these Star Wars issues because like the print run of Star Wars number one was so enormous and everyone who ended up getting Star Wars one wanted Star Wars two and Darth Vader. Uh, Again, actually apologies. Last week we said that this week we were getting Princess Leia and unfortunately we have to wait. I, I hate to say it, but I think two weeks. I think it's not until the 11th of March that we actually get the first issue of the uh, Princess Leia comic. But, you know, I'm sure it'll be fantastic when we do get there. But we've got all kinds of fantastic comics to get to. And uh, lo and behold, the next comic in the list is a fantastic one indeed. It is uh, Fantastic Four 643. This one has been written by James Robinson. Leonard Kirk's doing the art. Carl Kiesel is doing the inking. And Jesus Abertov is doing uh, the color. This one kind of starts to wrap up this current arc, that is, of um, the Fantastic Four with um, Johnny being depowered, Sue and Ben powered up and trying to solve things, and Reed missing as he's gone off to help out 
someone Eden or something. He's the most important part of this issue, which I'm sure Ryan is going to tell you guys about, is that they introduced the Sleepwalker. So, like a year ago, I came up with this idea to reboot Sleepwalker, and I was I wanted. I actually came up. I'll tell you guys one day. It's really good. Uh, but pretty much what happened is when I was like 12, I went to a garage sale and someone was selling a bunch of old comic books and I bought them and Sleepwalker was in them. And Sleepwalker is this character that Marvel invented in like the early to mid nineties who he is a dream. Like he lives in people's dreams. He's a dream. He's part of the dream police and he's kind of, um, lost from the rest of his race. And he uses this guy named Rick Sheridan as a host body, but Rick falls asleep and Sleepwalker comes out and he went on all these like crazy adventures with like Deathlock, and he fought Nightmare, and he teamed up with Spider Man, and um, he's like saved with, like, the universe a couple of times and stuff. Yeah, and he's like just a really kind of cool, quirky character. He looks like an alien. He has all these weird powers, like Dream Vision, and like weird name things like that. It's and what the best part is, Marvel said that when he came out, he was their answer to Sandman by DC, which mm. just like. <laughs> Mm. Yo, I love I love you, Sleepwalker, but uh, Come on. that's the you can, no. A little bit Come short on. there. Look yeah, at your just, life, like it just choices. Yeah, yeah. Sleepwalker. <laughs> last time you showed up in a comic book, it was like a what if in like uh, 2006. So um, definitely not as impactful as Sandman. But I love that Sleepwalker showed up in this issue because I'm definitely one of those nerds that every once in a while goes on Wikipedia and I'm just like sleepwalker and it's like his last appearance was this and i'm like oh man i'm not even like like a week ago i went on there and i was like gargoyle comics like just to see where the gargoyle character from marvel was um so it was just exciting for me to see sleepwalker and then i happened because of that it actually made me read the issue and reed was actually a badass in it so it was kind of a a pleasant surprise yeah it's uh the the cool part of this story is we get a look at, um, at like a bunch of different locations. Like early on, it shows like four areas that are being attacked, and surprise, another Alpha Flight appearance. Got to defend Toronto, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Any appearance of Alpha Flight, we're all about. <laughs> yeah, but it was great to see. You know, like you said, Reed got um, Reed had a solution for the problem in in mind and uh, got through it in very read fashion uh like oh now that i know your plan i can stop it the ultimate reed richards line but also there was this like touching moment between like bentley and the wizard where they have like a father-son moment and then he flies off oh man it's kind of touching um yeah because that's his son right yeah bentley Bentley is the clone son of uh the wizard yeah yeah and he's like turn me into marzipan and he he's like no i don't approve of what you do you're still but you're still my father and i hate marzipan and then there's two panels and the wizard's smiling and he says so do i and then the next panel is just him looking so sad and i was like oh that's pretty that's pretty depressing yeah i mean you know he even says he's like i always wonder what kind of man i might have been if i had a family around me like you know and i think that's kind of where the comic is that's where reed is trying to go with the whole thing with the future foundation and um you know having bentley around and everything so there's what two issues i think of ff less left yeah it's it's wrapping up real quick so i don't know how how much longer this is gonna end up going on but uh man i will take that panel of like roughed up dirty reed richards like man i had a rough day at work all like casual standing by the machinery uh i love 
I love that art. But uh, yeah, so, you know, and there's also a bit of a tie-in to some of the, the book wrapping up, as Ryan mentioned. So take a peek at it. It's, it's definitely worth a uh, worth a look. Uh, let's see. We've still got a couple more comics to get to. Uh, oh, there we go. we got to get into DC eventually, and uh, now's as good a time as any. Even as though Kelsey doesn't want to. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I was waiting for her to be like, ugh. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, Scott Snyder wrote this one, so it's not absolutely terrible. Uh, it's actually pretty good. Uh, Batman 39 came out this week, and Batman 38 made a whole bunch of news as the Joker showed back up in uh, the latest issue of the Scott Snyder universe, and now... Uh, Bruce and the rest of the gang are basically dealing with the fallout of everything going wrong with, like, the Joker. It's not, like, technically Joker toxin or Joker gas right now, right? It's just, like, some kind of poison that he... It's a toxin, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it's more like a... It's airbound or or airborne, I think, at this point. Joker's fucking crazy. Scott Snyder writes the most, like, terrifying, malicious Joker that I've ever read. I don't know, because Joker has just gone through so many different incarnations, and um, I think maybe the height of his, like, insanity was shooting Barbara, probably, and the killing joke. Yeah. I mean, I think the killing joke is pretty often referred to as, like, the most crazy extreme Joker around, so. Yeah, and then um, killing Jason Todd, but, like, no one cared because everyone hated Jason Todd. I mean, like, oh. the fan, you know the fans literally voted for that to happen, right? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> like, I actually remember that DC was DC was like, you guys vote, and everyone was like, kill him, boo. It was um, like the ultimate, like, you guys can have a part in the comics that we write. Come on, guys, you vote. You can be a part of the comics. Yeah, and, and then they killed kill him. him. Like, what yeah. the fuck, man? The, How the grim is the comic like, audience? <laughs> yeah, they're like, fuck that kid. He sucks. Where's Tim, <laughs> or where's, uh, where's Dick Grayson? But, I don't know, Scott Snyder's created... Batman already has such a, like, vast universe all to himself, and he's just expanded on it so well by adding the Court of Owls, who are just this, like, super creepy group of people that watch over Gotham, have this weird obsession with Gotham, um, and then, like, Talon, who is their own personal assassin. Um, and then my favorite one part... one of many, too, right? Don't they... Re- did, yes, yeah, yeah, there are a bunch of Talons. Okay, cool. Um, and then my favorite part of this issue, though, is Batman is such a fucking badass that he's just like he has his crew up on the roof. It's like Red Hood, Batgirl, Robin. And they're like, hey, Batman, you brought a lot of gas masks. Why? And then all of his like enemies show up and he's like, because they're going to help us. It's Clayface, Killer Croc, Bane, Scarecrow, Penguin, Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy who all show up. And in a truly like Winchester move from supernatural andy please watch supernatural um and like a truly winchester move he pretty much just teams up with his enemies to beat the greater enemy so uh, uh would that be more great. of a sam or a dean move dean definitely dean sam's a big old wimp yeah yeah he's just there for the hair product placement <laughs> he's just there so they can call someone moose <laughs> for real <laughs> But it was a it was a fantastic issue, and there's even a brief like callback to the 1989 movie. Eighty was that 89, Burton? Uh, yeah, 89. Yeah, so there's like a callback to the 89 with the parade. Yes, that that goes through Gotham. So um, yeah, actually, like this the um, 
the the dinosaur is pretty similar, right? Isn't that something that's in that phrase? And yeah, and the well, it's those balloons because they were like floating through Gotham. Yeah. He was going to drop his, his gas on him. Um, right. Plus, he chops off Alfred's hand. So yeah, Alfred's got, got like a fucking <laughs> like a sawed off midnight special, and all of a sudden, woo. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty awesome that he shoots Joker in the fucking ear with a gun, but then Joker chops his hand off. So yeah, Joker just does not give a fuck at all, apparently. Which no surprise, I guess. Um, yeah, and there's a nice little epilogue at the end here. And then, of course, um, Gotham Academy came out this week. And yes. once again, if you guys are not reading Gotham Academy, you really should be because it's one of the best books at DC right now. You do not have to really know anything about like the DC universe to appreciate the book because it takes place in this weird kind of like it's outside of the regular DC continuity. It's kind of like a like a pocket universe. Yeah, because it definitely like uses its history and its characters. Um, the character that we were speculating was Solomon Grundy actually ends up being Killer Croc. Um, but yeah, Killer Croc is in it. Um, there's tons of callbacks to old like TV show characters, like really old comic book characters that are super obscure. But honestly, it's um, like one of them they just introduced in this issue. One of the characters has the Langstrom virus which is a uh, callback to Kirk Langstrom, who is the man bat. So, um, yeah. I didn't even pick that up. Damn. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff in this book that's just like for hardcore fanboys, but also it's not like you're missing out if you don't know what it is. Uh, It's just like an extra pat on the back for all of us for being giant nerds. Yeah, like I missed some of those jokes, but I still enjoyed the hell of this book, and I will continue to enjoy the hell of this book because – is written by the one and only wonderful, always amazing Becky Cloonan. Uh, Brendan Fletcher's on this book as well. Yeah, Gotham Academy is as a teen romancy drama as it gets for me, and I love it. But isn't it so good? Yeah, yeah. no, it's the perfect balance. Like that's the thing. Like any more teen drama, and I would probably be out. But but right when it gets too teen drama y, Killer Croc shows up, and then Batman <laughs> arrives. So and then Batman arrives. True. And uh, that was it from DC this week. Good job, guys. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, oh but... actually, I did want to say real quick, Arkham Manor also continues to be a pretty solid read as well. Yeah, definitely continues to get darker and fucking darker, right? Yeah, and the art, um, Sean Crystal does art, and I don't think we've really given him any like appreciation, but he handles um, Batman. It's different than I've ever really seen him, but I really like it. Um, I don't know. I really like a lot of the fight scenes the in thing this. That I, issue. The thing that I love about uh, Sean Crystal's art is that while you're right that it's a very different Batman, it's a consistent Batman. Like it feels right at home in the universe that he creates with the art and everything. Like none of the particular characters look like too out of the ordinary or anything. Everything looks like it fits in line. And yeah, Batman's a little weird and kind of like skinny crazy looking but you know he's like skinny but still super ripped so yeah he's like old man ripped i don't know uh... and i love his victor freeze too yeah Yeah. he's got like a sweet mohawk going on like a hipster mohawk he's got like a quentin choir mohawk going on huh yeah yeah definitely yeah so uh like you said there was not too much more here in the dc universe that i was uh too excited on if you um, if you get down with uh, alternate universes. Future's End still has bearded Superman flying about. But the last thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, 
Image Comics has this uh, gorgeous book that they've been putting out um, for what has been, I think it's been five issues so far. Yeah, just hit issue uh, five. Yeah, sweet. and that is uh, Rasputin. And it's by uh, Alex Grecian and Riley Rosmo, are the writer and the artist. Um, Riley Rosmo is doing the art? Yeah, man. And uh, part of the reason why I picked this back up is because um, I, I caught it in, like I think it was like issue three or so, and I was like, Man, I really recognize those names. And what I thought back to was uh, an older Image comic, uh, Proof. Yeah, uh, I fucking love Proof. Yeah, Proof, which, uh, by the way, I'm just going to put a link to finding that in the show notes as well. Proof, <laughs> uh, the same team, Alexander Gratian and uh, Riley Rosmo, um, writer and artist respectively. And basically, Proof is takes place where John Proofock is a giant Bigfoot, and he works for a secret society that's located in Washington. Uh, and he goes around with a young FBI agent solving, like, crimes and supernatural mysteries that go on. But he's, like, a Bigfoot, but he's, like, cultured. He wears, like, designer-tailored suits and custom-made nice shoes because he takes himself very seriously. He, like, is eloquent. And, like, it's fantastic. Um, uh, but, yeah, so if you get a chance, go back and read Proof. I think it ran for, like, two arcs all the way through... Um, I have Fiona two Staples. traits of it for sure. Yeah, Fiona Staples actually did the color on, I think, like three or four of these issues as well. Sold. Um, so, you know, there you <laughs> go, Kels. Uh Yeah, it looked like it ran for about 28 issues altogether. It is captured in a couple of wonderful trades as well. Also includes Savage Dragon shows up. A bunch of, like, really wacky characters, but... Um, worth a look, kind of a bit more supernatural and crazy than Powers, but along kind of the same vein. Uh, but anyways, back to the comic we were talking about, uh, Rasputin is an absolutely gorgeous comic. Like, the the thing that grabbed me right away was just that this comic looks amazing all the way through. The colors look fantastic. Um, as you may have guessed, Rasputin is uh, a sorcerer, magician, warlock, wizard. I don't know what you would necessarily call him. Probably warlock is what you would call him. Uh, But um, uh, basically the story goes that he's been, it's kind of, I don't know if I would necessarily say that's a huge overarching story, but it's kind of like an episodic um, kind of shit supernatural happening within the universe. And uh, it kind of spans like this weird, like time period back in like world war two dystopian times. And it's really good. I I know I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this comic, but part of that is because like, this is a hard comic to explain. Like it's best. You're best served by reading it. Um, If you guys can get your hands on the first five issues, um, I can almost guarantee that by the third one, you'll be in it just for seeing more of the gorgeous art. Um, But it's five issues in again, another wonderful creator owned and operated distributed, wonderful comic from image. Um, So if you have a need to support those kind of things, uh, please feel free to, um, and I think that is all I had to discuss. Oh, I know. Uh, Kelsey, did you want to touch on Curb Stomp? Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Just kidding. Last one. Um, so Curb Stomp is brand, brand new. It's out from Boom. It's on its number one this week. It's written by Ryan, I don't know how to say that, Ferrier? Eh? Uh, Fourier. Fourier? Okay. And, oh, Jesus Christ. Their names are not great for me. 
Devaki Niyogi. Oh, I'm terrible. Maybe? I think it's Ferrier. Oh, I think you were right the first time. Ferriak, it's uh, Ryan Ferrier and uh, Devaki Niyogi. I just go phonetically with this. I don't know. Um. <laughs> hey, don't uh, don't Google uh, curb stomp just in case you're wondering. Just, <laughs> nope, just throwing I... that out there. Yeah, instead, I've just uh, use the link right here in our show notes that will be right below here. I will have a link to uh, where you can get your hands on this Boom Studios release. But go ahead, Kelsey. Yeah, their little blurb on Comixology is three gangs, five girls, no way out. <laughs> so it's a um, basically a girl gang. Which I'm always 100% behind. Support that your takes... local girl gang, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it explains like this weird, like dystopian universe where there's all these different boroughs. Um, they live in Old Beach, which is one of three boroughs surrounding like a super rich city. The girl gang is made out of and get these names because they're the fucking best: Machete Betty, uh, Derby Girl, Bloody Mary, Daisy Chain, and Violet Volt. <laughs> Yes. And they're pretty great. Um, I really love the name Machete Betty, but like design wise, Derby Girl is my fucking shit because she looks just like me. <laughs> she has long red hair and wears a black beanie at all times. So <laughs> we're just meant to be. I can cosplay her all day. Um it's pretty it's like rad. The unintentional cosplay going on. <laughs> For real. I like saw the first panel, I was like, meh. <laughs> And like the first thing she says is "What up, babe?" <laughs> she's like doing coke while Sounds she's like wearing like. <laughs> well, not the cocaine part, but <laughs> yeah, less of that for me. But <laughs> it's still pretty great. I like it. Um, but yeah, they have a huge thing for um, violence, crazy coloring, and black flag, <laughs> um, which I again am all about. The colors on this entire book is amazing. Like it changes so drastically. Like, it's just, like, different hues of, like, neons and pinks and purples and greens. And it's fucking just kind of like a trip. It reminds me a little bit of Odyssey in that way. Um, Even, like, when they, like, spill blood and shit, like, it actually looks kind of, like, artsy. Um, But there's a scene, like, in one of the panels that I was not expecting at all. Where uh, Machete Betty actually curb stomps somebody from a rival gang. Oh, shit. And it's, like, you see the after effects of it. And it's pretty fucking gnarly. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, my extent of knowledge of curb snomping came from American History X. And I always just assumed it just killed you because, like, it snaps off your jaw or something. I don't know. Like, I used to work in the medical field and I for real have no idea how it works because, like, excessive, like, violence always bothers me a lot. So I just don't pay attention. But no, this guy's face who she curb stomps is fucked up, like, beyond recognition. And it's super gnarly like they clearly do not have a problem with gore in this book so it should be pretty interesting like um the writing wasn't my favorite but it's also our number one and it's a brand new universe with a brand new cast of characters so like i'm assuming that they're getting their footing on on that but i love the way it looks and i love the idea behind it and i hope it just continues to get better yeah i think it looks like right now they have it slated for four issues yeah. Um, so I haven't seen anything on whether or not it will be um, like all four, like after the fourth issue, if they'll be dropping the comic or I... if, you know, it ends up being something different. So I honestly kind of think that they will end up dropping it um, just because like I s- I made sure it was a point to say that I love the coloring, the art itself so much. Eh. Like there's some weird like. I don't 
I already forgot what this guy's name was. Um, Niyogi. Like, he doesn't exactly, I don't know, he doesn't come across that he knows how to, like, draw fluid motion very well. And so a lot of the panels come out looking, like, super stiff and, like, with weird gestures. So it kind of looks like they're, like, mid-dance and they kind of stop like, a broken robot kind of thing. Like, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Um, Maybe it just takes me a little getting used to it because I'm super spoiled by Fiona Staples and Christian Ward. But... I think it's it's got some good foundations to it. It could be awesome for this four-issue arc, and if it goes any further, then awesome. But we shall see. It's definitely something I'm going to keep an eye on because, like I said, girl gangs. <laughs> and real real quick, too, before we wrap up, because um, Kelsey talked about independent comics. Like I know we talk about Marvel DC Image. Like Occasionally, we'll, I know we've talked about Archie Comics, a couple of Dark Horse, Vertigo. There's three independent comics out right now that I like urge everyone to check out. One is called Sing No, Sing no Evil, which is about a uh, metal band that has a giant brown bear as their drummer, and they <laughs> have to occasionally battle supernatural forces that are their rival bands. Oh, so, um, so that's a 10-issue, I believe, mini. Is that uh, being released right now? It's already out, and it's oh. by J.P. Ahonen and K.P. Alar. from Abrams Abr- Abrams Comic Arts. Comic Arts. Um, yeah, so that's one I urge everyone to check out. There's another one called Through the Woods, which is done by Emily Carroll. It's like a – it's a bunch of – it's a mythology of short horror comics. Oh. Um, and then the last one is called This One Summer by Mariko Tamaki and Jillian Tamaki, and it has been nominated for numerous awards – and it's basically just a coming-of-age story, but it's a comic book. And I know a lot of times when you think comic books, you think about something like fantastical and like superheroes or something even, you know, we go like 70s exploitation like Bitch Planet, like that kind <laughs> of vibe um, and sci-fi and everything. But some of the best comics that you'll ever read truly are just telling a story. Like if you've ever read Persephone, um, Persephone right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, no, so- no. Um Persopolis? What is that fucking comic called? Oh, Persopolis, yeah. Yeah, if you've ever read Persopolis or if you've ever read Mouse, which um, Mouse is a bunch of mice, but it's a true story about Nazi Germany. Or um, Black Hole or Blankets. Yeah. Or Black Hole or this Blankets was, or all these comics. They're this so one summer beautiful. was actually um, recommended to me in the same vein of, God, it almost makes me hesitant to say this, but Day Tripper, um, <laughs> in that it's a brilliantly illustrated book that um, you know just deals with a human story and um yeah i have not read this yet but i it'll be at my house in two yeah. days so it's just like um i saw i saw these comics and they really like just uh, i mean seeing seeing no evil definitely has that like supernatural feel um but through the woods and this one summer just like really independent like like just telling a story which is what uh i mean it's what comics are all about and it's just nice to like read something that's not all about superheroes or um stopping time with orgasms as much uh, as I love stopping uh, that. <laughs> I'm not saying those are bad slow things. That roll, just, slow that roll there, my man. Definitely not saying those are bad things. I'm, definitely, I, I'm just saying, like, uh, it's it's important to realize, like, that these stories are being told in a form that we love so much. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, that's the, the cool thing has been that, you know, we really do have access to a ton on more comics that have you know come out this week like i think i think boom studios even had a like a steven universe comic that came out this week that they just like announced not that long ago um, so idw came out with orphan black number one this week <laughs> yeah, so you yeah know, and but, a tmnt spinoff so yeah right so the mute animals yeah <laughs> I, i'm gonna have to see if i can 
behind that that TNT? Oh, yeah. Mutanimals. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Mondo might... Gecko is on the cover. Yeah. I might I might just have to buy that right now and give you guys my impression next week. Uh, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, as I mentioned, this uh, cast does have to eventually come to an end. We have had a fantastic week of comics and news. And don't forget, guys, to follow us on our Twitter. Email the show if you guys want to get a hold of us. But until next week, enjoy our comics, and we'll see you next time. To hear more of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Comic Book Podcast, or to share your thoughts and comic recommendations, follow us on Twitter at 2G1GTalkComics. That's the number 2G, the number 1G, Talk Comics. Or if you'd like to email the show directly, you can do so at TwoGuysAndAGirlTalkComics at gmail.com. All letters this time. As always, you can find more episodes of the show by visiting our Podbean at twoguysandagirltalkcomics.podbean.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.